The 10-Minute Writers' Workshop is supported by Heinemann, a provider of resources written by real teachers for real classrooms. Heinemann values teachers as decision-makers and students as curious learners. Discover the path to lifelong professional learning at Heinemann.com. Heinemann, dedicated to teachers. Well, hello, producer Maureen McMurray. Hello, host Virginia Prescott. What kind of fun food-related literary fact do you have for us today? Okay, so in 1880, Mark Twain published a travelogue called A Tramp Abroad based on his wanderings through Southern and Central Europe. Right. Pretty good gig. But as he was writing it, he complained pretty heartily about the food there. And I quote, yes, he was like in France and complaining. And I quote, the number of dishes is sufficient, but then it is such a monotonous variety of unstriking dishes. Three or four months of this weary sameness will kill the robustest appetite. Wow, American abroad. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I really can't believe that he was in France and complaining. But anyway, if you want to satisfy a Twain-level appetite, I suggest trying Blue Apron. I'm so excited about making catfish with Udon noodles, mushroom, celery. It was kind of a stir-fry thing with catfish. Never done that before. And the udon noodles were fresh and delicious. Does not sound monotonous at all. And it's easy. Blue Apron will send the pre-portioned ingredients and recipes right to your doorstep. You can check out this week's menus and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash 10 minute. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash 10 minute. No monotonous variety there. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. I'm Tana French, and this is the 10 Minute Writers Workshop. And I'm Virginia Prescott with the Edgar Award-winning author of the Dublin Murder Squad series. The newest, called The Trespasser, is the sixth in the best-selling habit-forming collection. It is taken for granted, wrote Laura Miller in The New Yorker, that anyone who's read one ton of French novel will shortly have read them all. French wrote her debut novel, In the Woods, during the long stretches between parts as a stage actress in Dublin. That theatrical training, understanding people from the inside out, may well be the edge that sets her books apart from other mysteries and police procedurals. The search for the killer becomes entangled with a search for the self. Or as Miller put it, in most crime fiction, the central mystery is who is the murderer. In French's novels, it's who is the detective. We spoke to Tana French on a slightly noisy phone line from Dublin, Ireland, her home base since 1990. I asked how much plotting and planning she does before she sits down to write. Oh, not a lot. I'm very jealous of those writers who go in there and they've got a whole outline, they know everything that's there, because they know there's a book in there somewhere. I tend to go in with a narrator, a main character, that's the most important thing for me, and a basic premise and a basic location. And from there, I just dive in and I hope I don't hit my head on the bottom. You know, I figure it out as I go. Well, there's such, there's almost like this family tree structure that you've created with your characters, having some relation to each other on the murder squad. They come and go. They skip through the timelines. How did you develop that? <laughs> that was accidental. 
as I was finishing the first book and starting to think about, you know, my God, maybe someday somebody might want a second one, I was thinking, well, the standard thing in a detective series is to follow the one narrator through all the ups and downs. But I'm not so interested in that. I like taking characters and seeing them at the crucial moment in their lives, the moment where whatever they decide, it's going to define the rest of their lives. And you can't really do that if you're following one narrator through a series, because any given person isn't going to have that many of those moments in a lifetime. You can't really whip them out one every two years. So I realized that I was going to have to switch narrator. And I'm very interested in the way that different people can see the same world or the same events differently, depending on what their preoccupations and their priorities are. And so I really like the idea of moving from one narrator to another and giving a different perspective, not necessarily on the events of the books, but on the narrator himself or herself and on the world in which they live. So how deeply do you go into developing a backstory for those? You know, I've spoken to writers who, you know, figure out what their favorite drink is and uh, what kind of sneakers they wear or whatever. You know what I mean? How much do you develop their sense of the world before you write about them? I don't really do it before I write about them. I do it as I write about them. I think it may have to do with the fact that I'm coming from an acting background. So developing character is kind of what I'm used to doing and what I train to do. But I'm used to doing it up on my feet, as it were, rather than behind the scenes. I'm used to doing it as I work. But it's all happening as part of the process rather than as a separate previous thing for me. It's an in-rehearsal thing. So I'll do it as I write. But I do end up knowing an awful lot about the character. I end up cutting large chunks from the final draft because it's bits that I needed to know, I needed to write. But the audience doesn't necessarily care. How about inspiration? Is there any particular way that you summon it? Or um, when it's not coming, what do you do? Uh, I think that for mystery writers in particular, it takes a certain kind of mind that's usually looking for the potential mystery in everything, in the normal everyday things. In the woods was, I was working on an archaeological dig and there was a woods nearby and I was thinking, oh, great place for kids to play. And then instead of stopping there like a normal person, my head went, well, what if three kids ran in there to play and only one came out and he had no memory? And then what if he became a murder detective and got brought back to that woods? You know, Faithful Place came from, I saw a suitcase on an old skip outside a house that was being gutted and started thinking, oh, I wonder how it got in there and how, who put it there and why and how long has it been there, what's in it? Inspiration, I think, always comes from looking for the potential mystery everywhere. How do you know when you're done? You mentioned having to throw out large chunks of character background. How do you know what to let go of and when to stop? I'm a perfectionist. I would keep tinkering with commas forever. When to stop is when the deadline is several days past. That's when I need to stop and send it in. I think there is a point where you've taken something as far as you can on your own, where you've been so deep into this book and you've been looking at it for so long and tinkering with it for so long that you need an extra pair of eyes. You need a second pair of eyes. There's no further that you can go. You've lost perspective. And I think one of the things that's happened as I learn more about writing is that I get better at recognizing that point. Do you share your writing? Uh, With my husband. He is my first reader. He's got this demon eye for structure and for sloppiness. So a lot of the time, how I know to cut that big chunk of character backstory is because he gives me that look and goes, maybe you really needed that. Does the reader really need that? And he's almost always right. Has that ever started any intercouple arguments? (laughs) No, actually, because such a high percentage of the time he's right. He's good at the things I'm not good at. Like structure is my weak point. I'm good on characterization. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty secure on that kind of stuff. But structurally, I've had to work a lot harder. So short of having uh, marrying a really good editor, 
<laughs> Do you have advice for people who are just starting out as writers and not finding their way? Okay, this was the big revelation for me when I was writing in the woods, is that um, you can get it wrong as, as many times as you need to. Like, especially if this is your first book, you don't have an editor or an agent um, ringing you up every now and then to go, and how's it coming along? You can take as long as you need. If you write a paragraph, if you need to write it out 50 times, and 49 of them are utter crap, that doesn't matter. Only if you get it once. If you get it right once, that's all you need. And for me, this was a biggie because, you know, I'm coming from theater. You have to get it right every night because the audience isn't going to see it again. And this feeling that you have that license, you have that license to mess up. It doesn't mean you're terrible. It doesn't mean the book is going to be terrible. All you need is that one time when it's right. Was there a book or a work or something that made you think, I need to be a writer? There were a few of them along the way. I think the, the first one was, was The Wind in the Willows. My dad read it to me when I was about six. And I still remember hearing him read the sentence. I, I may be getting the wording a tiny bit wrong, but it was, he had never seen a river before, that sleek, sinuous, full-bodied animal. And I just went, whoa. It had never occurred to me that words could do that, that they could be anything but literal, that they could be used in this amazing, impressionistic way to create an emotion and an impression rather than a literal understanding. And I still remember that moment all these years later, and I think that was probably where it started off, was in that realization that words can be used to do more things than I had ever realized. Do you have a, I don't know, like a genre toolbox, do you think, to go to, to play with, that feels liberating or helpful to you, or is it constraining? There's definitely a very, very solid, concrete genre toolbox with mystery in particular. But I think, for me, it's a starting point rather than a set of constraints. For more and more mystery writers now, that's true, because the the standard genres, the conventions of the genre, were taken to such a high point over the decades, you know, starting with Agatha Christie and up to the, the kind of burst of serial killer fiction in the 90s. Everybody had polished the standard genre conventions to such a high shine that I think by the time my generation of writers started writing, you had to be experimenting with the boundaries. You had to be playing with them, seeing what they could do differently, seeing what happened if you stretched them and pushed them, and what happened if you did different things with all those tools. Those genre boundaries make a very nice foundation. They're very solid. They keep the book within a framework. Because I write long anyway, right? If I didn't have this framework of A kills B and C finds out who done it, like I'd still be writing 300,000 words later. I'd still be writing three years from now. But that arc that's so solidly built in, it keeps you on track. It keeps you from being too digressive and too out of control. And it, it gives the book a shape. And I like that. I like that solid underlying shape. And I like seeing what I can do to play with it. What was the worst advice you ever got about writing? There's no concrete piece of advice that I've got about writing, but the worst pieces that I've ever seen are the absolutes. Things like, oh, never use adverbs, never have long paragraphs, never use semicolons. The fact is that long paragraphs and adverbs and semicolons, they're all tools. Everything belongs in your toolbox. It's just knowing how to use it. And the idea that you should never use one of your tools for some reason to me, that's ridiculous. To me, that's cutting down you know, your vocabulary as a writer for no good reason at all. Tana French, what a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. 
Tana French, author most recently of The Trespasser, the sixth in the Dublin Murder Squad series. The 10-Minute Writers' Workshop is a production of NHPR. This episode was produced by Sarah Plourd with help from Maureen McMurray. And you can maintain your levels of writerly wisdom and inspiration by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Audioboom. And flex those writerly muscles by leaving us a review on iTunes. I'm Virginia Prescott. Until next time, this is the 10-Minute Writers' Workshop from NHPR.